originally separating history from runtime was again a, a way of letting the engine be more efficient and it's nice we've come to the essentially final stage of that idea Welcome to the Communda Community Podcast. I'm Mia Moore, Senior Technical Community Builder and Podcast Contributor here at Communda, and I'm covering for Niall while he's on his summer break. Enjoy that vacation, Niall. You have earned it. On our last episode, which is linked in the show notes, Communda consultants Manuel, aka Manu Ditmar, and Jonathan Lucas joined Senior Developer Advocate Niall Dean for a closer look at migrating to Communda Platform 8 from Communda 7. Specifically, they discussed migrating models and business logic, what to look for, steps to take now for the smoothest migration possible, and the tooling that is available to help you with your migration projects. Quick reminder, Manu leads the migrations effort for our consulting team by defining the overarching strategy and being directly involved in a lot of migration projects, while Jonathan works on the tooling that helps our customers and community when it comes to actively doing the migration. When we last left them, Niall, Jonathan, and Manu were about to dive into a third pillar of migration, data. I know, I can't wait any longer to hear more about this topic, so let's hop back in. Jonathan has jumped into a very important uh, change between C7 and C8, which of course is uh, around variables and data. And that brings us very nicely to uh, the final section of, of migration, which is data. I would like to even create two subcategories here and say running data and history data probably can be treated very differently. Let's start with variables in general. Manu, can you just give a quick overview of the considerations when it comes to how C7 stored, let's say, history variables versus how if you wanted to keep those the way they are and uh, continue using them for reporting purposes, for example? In Kamunda 7, it was always pretty easy to also access historical data by just using the history service. Mm. In Kamunda 8, that looks slightly different, right? Because ZB is really just taking care of the runtime data and not the historical data. That mm. means if you want to get this kind of historical information, you would need to use operate and the operate API for that. So here we have a clear separation. So this is probably very important to consider when you're working somehow with the history service of Kamunda 7 right now that this cannot be translated one by one to the ZB context. But still, you can get the very same information from the Operate API. Exactly. As a quick reminder, C7 had two different schemas within the database. One was the runtime data, which was the only one the engine would read from. And one was the history data, which contained all of the historical processes and the currently running ones. And that's where most of the, um, let's say, client queries would go through. A big difference in how data is maintained by ZB, of course, is how it both stores and exports data in general and how you access it. Manuel, do you want to give us a quick overview of how data of a process sort of exists lifecycle-wise from the moment a process is started to maybe by the time it's finished and shows up in Optimize? First of all, when you start a process instance, uh, that one will be basically created uh, within ZB. ZB internally uses a key value store for that to store the information about a process instance. And basically all those kind of events that are being uh, sent to ZB will also be exported to Elasticsearch in the next step. So that could be a process instance being created, a variable being set, a user task being completed. So everything that you can imagine, any kind of event that happens in a process instance, that will be exported to Elasticsearch. 
And then basically our web applications will just consume the data from Elasticsearch. So no matter if it's operate, task is to optimize, this data will come from Elasticsearch. The nice thing is that those web applications do not need to contact ZB for that anymore. And ZB can really focus on what it's good at. And that's about handling running process instances. Basically, as soon as those web applications basically consume the information in the way they need it from Elasticsearch, it will be presented to the end user web applications. And that's really a continuation from the ideas from C7. Originally separating history from runtime was, a, again, a, a way of letting the engine be more efficient. And it's nice we've come to the essentially final stage of that idea by completely removing the responsibility of history data from the engine for any means, which I think is a really good choice. With history data, Jonathan, what do we suggest people do when if they have, let's say, a terabyte of C7 process data burrowed away somewhere in a very slow relational database. What are our suggestions there for people who want to migrate then to C8? First of all, I would always suggest to uh, review the existing data and decide whether it's still needed or maybe some parts are irrelevant. So given there's one terabyte, that's a lot of history <laughs> and you can probably decide to throw away most of it. And one thing that, that we can do or that I would always look into regarding securing historical data is the usage of Optimize because mm. Optimize has an engine agnostic data model. So you can import process instances from C7 and from C8 and they will be stored uh, in a very, very similar or the same way mm. and can, can be accessed from within Optimize always with a view on, on, on the process, of course. But that's also the only thing we can do about historical data from C7. Mm. So it cannot be preserved just like that in C8. Yeah. But I think that's a very uh, good option that we have using Optimize for this, because that's what Optimize is meant for. Mm. It's for analyzing historical process instance data or decision instance data and it's 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 made for this. It's optimized for this, and that's why you you, sh you should always use it for this. So, given someone has one terabyte of historical data, he might also face situations where this data cannot be loaded from Camuna Seven anymore. Yeah, where where any connection to the REST API just times out because the database query is so slow, mm. and the data is basically unusable. It, it, it's there. So it, it still exists. It might fulfill compliance, but it, it's unusable. Yeah. By it, it, by using Optimize, you can make it accessible again. That makes a lot of sense. So in most cases, people don't really need to process uh, history data, actually. It's, it's, as you mentioned already, Jonathan, compliance is one of the main reasons. And I think we can quite happily say that that's not a difficult thing for us to be able to maintain that data in an accessible way if compliance reasons. The, and reporting is the other reason people would have it. And again, as you mentioned, Optimize is the great solution for that because it can just take that data and give it to you in a very accessible way. And history data of the two types, runtime data and history data, history data is probably one of the easier ones to deal with. Now, we have two types of, I would say, two categories of process. We have incredibly fast processes that maybe take milliseconds or a couple of seconds to run. Or we also have, because of the way BPMAN offers a lot of flexibility of processes, processes that can last for months or years or weeks or whatever. So 
With regard to the sheer difference in that and runtime data, Manuel, can you maybe describe some of the things people should consider looking at when it comes to considering data migration of runtime data and their processes? Yeah, so general recommendation would be don't do it. <laughs> so don't don't try to migrate running instances from Kamunda 7 to Kamunda 8. So here the idea is that you really have this parallel run pattern that basically you can slowly phase out Kamunda 7 while you start new pros instances in Kamunda 8. And as mm. soon as you don't have any running instances anymore in Kamunda 7, you can also shut it down. But basically let the instance die where it actually started um, instead of trying to migrate it to a new platform. Mm. Of course, there are some cases, as you said, where instances are running for multiple months or years. Yeah. There you could maybe think about trying to migrate that so that you basically recreate the very same state of that process instance in Kamuna 8 then. But yeah, with that one, I would be very careful because you also need to make sure that during this migration, you don't receive any messages mm. or the user task will not be completed and anything like that. Otherwise, you will have some inconsistency. Yeah. So I would say that should be the, the last resort. Yeah. Jonathan, you would agree, I think, with this. Can you maybe describe if people are forced, let's say the migration is, they've decided it has to happen for some of the runtime data. What's the practical steps that people could take to make that happen? So one possibility is to use our tooling here again. We have a process instant migration tooling. It's currently in a very early stage of development. I plan to develop it a bit further. But what basically happens is that the process instances that need to be migrated are suspended so that we do not have them migrated in some kind of dangling state where they are, are already advanced on C7 and they are started at an earlier point in C8 and there are probably things executed twice. And then we, ex we extract all the process instance data. So what activities are currently active, what variables are set on which scope, and then we try to leverage the ZB API to bring the process instance exactly to this state again. Hmm. Here, of course, we face some limitations that we should always review. So for example, we cannot migrate call activities just like that, hmm. because call activity would always mean I start the root process instance, and then I have to make ZB execute the call activity so that there's a new process instance spawned. I, then I have to get the ID of this process instance to actually modify it to the point where it is right yeah. now yeah, and yeah. so on. So that, that's a very complex thing to carry out. And also there are message start events, for example, that uh, would need to be considered just because message start events cannot be executed by the create process instance command in ZB, but you have to correlate a message. Okay, yeah. There are, are some other limitations that are currently known that are also documented. Yeah. With this process instance migration approach, which would, which would automatically do it. Mm. What you could, of course, do, and I, I think we already did this once or twice with customers, is writing your custom migration scripts or doing a migration by hand where you review a process instance and then you make up a plan and you perform the migration by hand, mm. uh, which is, of course, possible. But I would always agree with Manu saying mm. that avoid it by any chance to migrate process instances that are mm. already running just because you will, I think you will lose context, you will lose data mm. 
it's just hard, a hard thing to do. And, and it's a lot of resources. Work. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work for not a huge amount of gain, really, at the end of the day. Um, I, I would agree. But I also like that it's still possible. I like the idea that even though we're saying, please don't do this, Jonathan, of course, is going to spend some long suffering days trying to make that tool work better. And if you want to join him, of course, you can also uh, take a look at uh, the migration tooling, which is linked in the show notes. And you can maybe even, who knows, check out some of the issues he's raised and maybe help him by building some additional features in there. Um, I want to close out by just some interesting thoughts you might have on something that we never really touched on, but is worth discussing, which is what are the main benefits of people migrating? What do you think people will feel that all of this effort is worth it by the end? I want to start with you, Manu. Top of your head, what are your feelings around like, this is beyond the fact that C7 is going out of support in a, in a couple of years. What are the benefits people are going to see from using C8 over C7? I think uh, an obvious answer for that one is the performance of CB. Yeah, because everyone who used Kabunda 7 in more complex use cases, I think, faced some limitations one day. So for that, with CB, with the performance, this is a very good uh, reason to migrate. Then also, I'm a big fan of the connector architecture that we have in place because it's not only limited to using the pre-built out-of-the-box uh, connectors that we provide but you can actually also leverage those element templates that we provide create your own ones use the sdk to create your custom connectors and i think this just helps you to scale up um, automation within the organization that you can just share components and just leverage other people in your organization that are probably that don't have multiple years of experience in hmm. enterprise application development on Java, and also making sure that also your Python developers, C-sharp developers on board, those are probably my, my two favorite features. I totally agree. Performance and connectors are both, they really open things up a lot for growth of processes within especially larger companies, but also, as you mentioned, within a company that, let's say, has a limited number of people who can build processes. Some of the features around C8, like connectors, as you mentioned, allows a much vaster skill set of individuals to be able to contribute to building and maintaining process models. What about yourself, Jonathan? I think one of the great advantages of Camunda 8 is our service offering. Uh, in the form of SaaS. I think one of the biggest hurdles you have to overcome is operations. So either operating C7 wasn't that hard, but it it mm. uh, has it has its pitfalls still. Mm. So providing a stable environment for running a process engine is uh, still not too easy. So running on SaaS will just take the burden from you and, and make it easier for you and give you the opportunity to focus on your business logic implementation and the operation of this. Yeah. And very closely related to this is also the security concept of Camunda 8, where your business logic is separated from the process engine mm. and you will not be able to modify things in the process engine just like mm -hmm. that on the run access some private apis because it basically yeah. runs inside the same java machine and are my additions to this yeah i do agree and that comes back to a point you made a while ago which is 
different technologies that can be leveraged with coming to seven and coming to eight are important, right? You mentioned Kubernetes and Docker and stuff. But the other option is you don't need to learn any of them. You could also just use the SaaS version and you don't actually need to worry about it. With coming to seven, the minimum you would need to know is how to keep a Spring Boot application alive, uh, which is not too much, but maybe if that's your only Java application in your whole company, that could be actually be quite irritating if anything goes wrong. So as well as like the, as you mentioned, the security that uh, we've implemented or the, I would say, more security architecture that now exists within C8. And as well as that, the ability not to care about it because it'll always be there running is also really valuable if you choose the SaaS version. So yeah, it makes it way more open and easier to use for people. Um, with that, I would like to thank you very much for talking to me for the last little while. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for taking your time away from customers who desperately need your help migrating and instead talking to me about it. Yeah. Do you have any um, last thoughts about this topic before we go? Manu? It's a very exciting journey with the migration. And also if our existing customers having a look into Kamuna 8, they probably will just also identify a lot of new use cases, right? Because also, if you have a look at the case studies out there and see how people are using Kamuna 8, it can be pretty exciting to see what is possible with that engine now. And maybe also next to migration, also creating new projects probably is something very interesting for you. Yeah, I agree. And Jonathan, any last thoughts? I would like to invite you to have constructive discussions with us about features that you that you need in Camunda 8 because we always try to help you to make you successful. And that's how we reach it, by communicating with you. I completely agree. And I will attach Jonathan's personal uh, mobile number to the show notes. So if you have any thoughts about Camunda anytime, night or day, he is willing to help you out. He thoroughly enjoys when he gets calls. Not much of a sleeper. So if you want to call 2 a.m., 3 a.m., that's ideal for him. That's where he's at his peak. So yeah, thanks for that, Jonathan. I agree. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, goodbye all. See you later. Oh, Niall. Well, needless to say, no personal numbers will be linked in the show notes, but you're always welcome to head to our forum with your questions, feedback, and any success stories that you want to share at any time. Our forum post will be linked in the show notes as well. And there you have it, the three pillars of migration. Number one, model migration. Number two, business logic migration. And number three, data migration. I know I learned a lot about each one from this conversation, and I hope you did too. If you're inspired to dive right in and use some of the tools that were discussed, head to the GitHub repo that is linked in the show notes. It includes all the tooling we have created and will also include any updates and new tooling that will be built in the future. If you're interested in creating issues on those with your questions or adding your own contributions, this is a great place to start. Before we wrap things up, I'd like to invite you, yes, you, to Camundacon 2023, happening both in New York City in person and online, September 27th through 28th. Camunda experts all around the world will be gathered in person and online to share what they've learned, things they've built, problems they've solved, and lessons that they've learned with Camunda. I got to go to Camundacon last year when it was in Berlin, and I had a delightful time. It was so wonderful getting to connect with the community and to hear really cool stuff that's going on with Camunda. Head to kamundacon.com to learn more, and I hope to see you there. And to make sure you're among the first to listen to our newest podcast episodes, be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening, and I have not been Niall the whole time. I've been Mia. Until next time. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the worst electronic assistant you'll ever meet.
who, whatever you ask, will generally suggest just maybe getting a beer or just stop working. <laughs>